Welcome everyone to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host Lou Weiss, who is president of All Metals and Forge Group and the sponsor for Manufacturing Talk Radio, which we are very appreciative of. And if you would like open die forgings or seamless little rings, go to steelforge.com. Today joining us is Norbert Orr. Norbert is our senior international correspondent and puts together the Purchasing Managers Index Surveys from Around the World. He, he watches those every month and reports here on what those numbers are doing. And Lou, I know you particularly enjoy his scattergram or scatterplot or whatever they call it. Scattergram. It gives a great overview of what's happened. I like everything to be on one page. So here he's got the whole world on one page. <laughs> Well, Norbert, welcome to the show. Give us an overview of what's happening. Okay. Uh, well, uh, we had another good month in uh, uh, April. Uh, our expectation was for a good month, and we got it. Uh, was it as good as March? Uh, not quite as good, but still uh, up in the uh, high 50s. Of course, anything above 50 is growing. So uh, uh, high 50s. Uh, is where, where we like to see uh, that be. Um, the, the biggest change, I think, is that the global economies are starting to keep up with us uh, from Europe, the UK, uh, et cetera. We're seeing things look a lot better than they have in, uh, up to this point. In fact, uh, Brexit now has a 70% approval rating in the UK. And you'll remember, of course, they were torn whether they should do that. And it was a very narrow vote as to what should happen. Uh, so a 70% uh, uh, approval rating is quite an accomplishment. And it says, uh, as we contended all along, that it was the best thing for the UK to do to separate themselves from the other uh, Euro uh, countries uh, from that. But even those countries are doing well as I, I think six of the eight uh, came in uh, uh, growing uh, above 60. So those uh, Euro countries or uh, Eurozone countries are doing well from that. So we're, we're, we're glad to see that uh, being the case. Um, the, uh, you know, one of the things you always ask about, Lou, is Brazil, uh, what's going on, and Brazil is struggling. Uh, but so many it, it's, it's, still, it's still growing, and uh, I think they have things to, to work off of and so on uh, uh, in terms of growth in the country and so on. So we'll, we'll see what, what happens there. Um, then I guess I would look at um, Australia, uh, new, uh, China, Japan. All of those are, are growing, with the exception of China. China is right on the, the margin. China is uh, just slightly above 50. Now, there's a, an instance where China is... Uh, uh, they contend that they're growing at six plus percent uh, growth in GDP. 
Uh, our data doesn't show them coming anywhere close to that, doesn't see the change. Uh, and it's one of the reasons, I'm, one, I'm glad we have two surveys for China that we can relate to. Uh, and then secondly, uh, it really comes down to having two of them and not believing either one. <laughs> Uh, because I, you got to believe that the numbers are what they want them to be because we don't, uh, again, we're measuring the rate of change. And the rate of change on the two side of China survey is less than 3% ever. And so uh, I, I don't believe either one of those, but it's nice to get that. I, I think that for Asia, the... Uh, Taiwan survey, the Japan survey, the South Korea survey, uh, those in particular paint a better picture of what's going on in China. And you can see Taiwan is growing very rapidly. Well, uh, as much as we see the saber rattling between China and Taiwan, uh, it's still at the end of the day, they are very tied to the hip trading partners. You know, right now, chips are the big thing. You know, do, do you, can you get enough chips? Can, is there enough manufacturing and so on? Well, a lot of China's chips come from Taiwan to China and then come back and finish goods from that. So uh, I, I don't think China ultimately is going to do anything uh, uh, to, to upset totally their relationship with uh Taiwan. I think they're just simply using Taiwan as some leverage because they know we care a lot about Taiwan for the same reason. We have a lot of product that comes out of uh, out of Taiwan. So, uh, Norbert, yes, I want to ask you about the chip situation in Taiwan, and if somebody somewhere is getting caught up, so the American automobile industry here in the U.S. can start putting chips in cars and trucks and getting product onto dealer lots. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's a major challenge right now, Tim. And, uh, you know, Intel has announced a $20 billion investment in chips uh, and several other uh, chip companies have announced large investments and so on. So, uh, you know, that doesn't turn around overnight. Uh, no. it, it, uh, you have facilities. I've been through at least three or four different uh, facilities, uh, semiconductor facilities and so on. It is huge capital investment requirement. And uh, the fact that the companies don't build their own capacity, uh, they're relying upon uh, companies like AMAP, that, uh, that uh, come in and you know they tell those companies what they want and then they they go out and design what they need in order to uh, to build the facility. So there's a lot of interdependence, and so it's not going to happen real quick. Like the stories about automobile lots in the U.S. Uh, friend of mine, as you know, I'm in Atlanta. A friend of mine is a general uh, manager of a, a dealership south of the city. They've got 30 cars on the lot for sale. 
Now, normally they have about 200. Right, but, but in Atlanta, it doesn't make any difference because you don't have any gas. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully we've got that uh, solved now uh, today, Lou. I, I was able to fill up a tank yesterday to get ready for uh, a, a trip this afternoon. Ah, okay. uh, I'm glad to hear that. So uh, I think we're past... Uh, now, North Carolina doesn't sound like to me they are. Virginia doesn't because they're farther up the pipe. Right. And right. they have to, you know, they, they have to wait, wait for that. 1973, all over again. <laughs> yeah, I, I have uh, memories of uh, that period of time of being involved, uh, going to the Federal Energy uh, Office and trying to get uh, gasoline allocation for work that we were doing at the time. And, uh, so, yeah, I, I uh, uh, nothing uh, that I missed about any of that. Uh, well, I used to carry with me a screwdriver so I can unscrew license plates and get the, either the odd or the even plate <laughs> to get gas that day. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's, uh, that, that's some pretty good engineering right there to, <laughs> yeah. to do that. Uh, I went out and bought a siphon tube yesterday. Um, my, my granddaughter's graduating from college this week, and she's got to make several trips. And so uh, I, I got a siphon tube for her that uh, if she needs to borrow gas from somebody or transfer gas from somebody uh, <laughs> In her what travels, grand, what a she can do that. Now she's going to have have some one, one of her friends is going to do uh, all of the work with regard to that. So Norbert, with uh, Asia looking good, and frankly the world looked good, uh, and I echo your comments about Brexit. Uh, UK is hitting banner numbers in terms of their growth. How is Europe doing? Well, uh, the, the rest of Europe is holding up uh, reasonably well. The numbers are up above uh, 60 in most cases. And uh, seems like they're, they're able to maintain that. Uh, and they've gotten some of the trade uh, problems, hiccups in the supply chains. They've gotten some of those cleared up and so on. But, you know, there's still a lot of problems. Uh, when you ask about the data, the data looks good. But I would also say that uh, if, if we look at domestically U.S., uh, we've got issues with regard to inflation. Uh, we've got issues with regard to employment. Uh, we've got some solid things that, uh, that we've got to deal with. Obviously, the gas situation, you know, was... Uh, uh, an issue and is an issue until it's, it's resolved, but they've apparently got the code back and uh, doing what they're doing. I just hope we uh, uh, spend uh, uh, enough time looking for some retribution uh, from the, the folks that are uh, engaged in that kind of thievery. I think we've got to discourage it at a very high level. Uh, so we'll see what, what happens with that. But those things are all, you know, and prices more than anything. Uh, we're seeing price increases on uh, lumber, 
uh, it, it's, it's probably more on the housing side than it is on the manufacturing side. Um, but that's, it's, it's still bad in both places, in my opinion, that, uh, that we are seeing the prices go up. Uh, the question is, when will they peak? And uh, our uh, ISM prices index was uh, up at 89.6%, which is about as close to 90 as you can get without being there. Um, That's true. <laughs> and when uh, prices are up at that level, uh, they have only one way to go, and that's down. And, you know, as we've said in the past, you know, the cure for high prices is high prices. That people will decide not to pay for something, not to buy something, not to go somewhere uh, when they when prices reach a certain, reach a certain level. And uh, I got to believe that eighty nine point six percent is about as uh, strong as it can get. And eighty nine point six, I think, ninety three point two is the higher. Uh, yeah, 93.2 is the highest we've ever had. So it's getting close to and one of the things you can count on in the change index is it tends to repeat itself as it withdraws or when it starts to grow and when it starts to decline. So, you know, it'll still take a while for those prices to come down. But uh, what is the gas prices in Atlanta, in Atlanta if you were uh, to have gas there? Two, 289 to 319. Oh, that's cheap. <laughs> I test up here is 385. Yeah. Uh, that's no, 1973 uh, era. You know, uh, the, the uh, uh, prices aren't really, uh, the, the Atlanta market really doesn't try to exploit price issue as much as some others do. Uh, they they uh, uh, find that uh, the distributors, etc., cetera, uh, they have more to lose in terms of goodwill with their customers and so on. And all the television stations and others uh, that uh, they, they, they know that they're better off not raising prices too much to, to do that. So hadn't been a price issue for us. It's been a supply issue. Well, here in New Jersey, they take the attitude, you want to go someplace, you're going to pay for the gas. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, if, if I put my economist hat on, which I don't have, and uh, look at uh, the, the movement of prices, the, the best thing we can do is don't, control prices. That was a mistake made back in the 70s over and over again was we wanted to try to control prices. If you let the price float, then there's always going to be gas at some price. Right. And it's really simple economics of uh, uh, controlling the price makes less sense than uh, letting it float. And that way those who uh, 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 those who need gas will identify themselves with their wallet. So Norbert, in the overall, as Lou and I have experienced many times in the last couple of months, when the numbers all look good, there's less to talk about because the numbers all look good. Um, 
you know, the only headwinds I see right now are employment, which is going to probably take a while to get people to go back to work, and inflation that all of the money pumped into the economy for COVID recovery is going to bring about. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think uh, uh, the best thing I've heard is that uh, uh, looking at prices uh, and increases and, and that type of thing uh, is, is really already a tax increase. Hmm. You know, uh, I've always looked at energy as uh, uh, higher energy prices or a tax on growth. And I think that's where we are right now. We see higher energy prices, it's a tax on growth. And it starts to, that tax starts to work the price back down, assuming that the supply gets picked up, uh, you know, from doing that. The, you know, one of the questions is, will this change our attitude toward pipelines? <laughs> you know, and, yeah, who knows, who knows? Yeah. And one of the things that uh, most people don't realize, uh, particularly the television stations here in Atlanta, uh, we get a lot of, uh, North Florida gets a lot of its fuel from Tampa so that we don't go south as much as we go north with the pipeline. And uh, Tampa is serviced by ships and barges coming over from Houston. So it doesn't get shut down. So you, if you look at the data, uh, only like seven, uh, uh, Florida only has like a 17% shortfall, whereas North Carolina has like a 60% shortfall. So but we all drive to Florida to gas up. Uh, <laughs> that, that, would, that, that would be a, a start, I guess, Tim. <laughs> we'll need tanker trucks. Yeah. Uh, Norbert, is there anything else that you see in the near term that's going to cause these numbers to soften? Or as we're hearing from others, this is just a robust economy right now, and it's going to stay this way for, for a while. Well, one of the things we did this month uh, in our uh, report that we do is added a thing on capacity utilization. And uh, it's on page five of that report. Uh, and the capacity utilization issue, there's only five industries that uh, where their capacity utilization is uh, above 75%. And those five are aerospace, apparel, machinery, food and beverage, and wood products. So there's a lot of capacity that should help control prices that uh, there's excess capacity still that, that could be filled from that. And of course, you see the others on there that uh, are pretty significant. Right. Okay. Yeah, uh, uh, else? I didn't notice that uh, capacity utilization uh, uh, comments. Uh, I think that's very interesting. Uh, Tim, why don't you tell them where they can get this? Uh, yeah, Norbert, what's the easiest way for them to get this report? Although I, I think it's, you know, sign up, participate, you get the report. Right. And there's no cost associated with it. Uh, uh, and you get some other uh, 
materials that uh, we put together and so on uh, on, on economics uh, from that. So uh, the easiest way would be uh, to send me an email at N-O-R-J-O-R-E at gmail.com. That's N-O-R-J-O-R-E at gmail.com. Uh, there's no obligation. It's totally confidential. And uh, the people that participate, uh, we rarely lose anybody uh, because they value the, the information that we're bringing to them. Well, Norbert, I appreciate, we always appreciate you being on with us to share this information because I think it's the only place where you can get a picture of the global PMI surveys that you follow. And that's an exclusive here on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Have a good one. Stay healthy. Thanks. Have you get it too, guys. Bye-bye. Go get so, some gas. Yeah, right. <laughs> so be sure to participate in the survey. And while you're on the web, go to jacketmediaco.com where you can find links to this show and all of our other podcasts. Also, our e-zine Manufacturing Outlook, which is a free subscription. And as always, thank you for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>